0: mm Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome back to Love Babs, Love Talk. This is the second hour, and I have the pleasure of talking to Kat Morris. Uh, she is my guest this morning. I am delighted to have her. Let me tell you a little something about Ms. Morris. She is a scholar activist with a Masters of Public Policy degree from the from Yukon, and she founded the UConn Collaborative Organizing, UCCO to promote solidarity and intersectionality in social and environmental justice movements.
1: Hello, dear. Hi, thank you. How for are me. you? I'm well.
0: How are you? I've been dying to have this conversation ever since I met you at Bloom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that was great. That was great. That was good. How are you? I'm good. You know, you brought up Bloom, so I have to promo an event I'm organizing right now. I'm having a Friendsgiving at Bloom next Monday. Yay! Come get, wine, come get some vegan food and some wine and good vibes. It'll be a great time. Okay, girl, I might have to show up for that. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah. I definitely have
0: to show up for that. All right, so tell tell me about the intersectionality of social justice and environmental issues. Where should we be positioning ourselves?
1: Ah, uh, well, there are so many ways that folks can position themselves. When I talk about organizing and kind of showing up in the world with respect to intersectional environmental justice, I like to use the acronym LOVE. Um, This is my TED talk, but so it stands for, so love, it's L means to listen to learn, O is to organize with an open mind, V is to value a variety of perspectives, and E is to engage everyone in every way possible. And, you know, in doing that, you're allowing yourself to be have an open mind, take an active interest in how other people engage with the world so that can inform the work that you do. um, Because it recognizes that you need collective genius in order to solve the world problems that we have. um, And that doesn't necessarily, you know, have to be oh I need to solve every single problem in the world me as an individual but you know say there's something going on in your community it would help you to talk to other people in your community to figure that out so that's just like one frame of thought but also like for you you know I'm sure you and you learn something every time you have a different guest on and from that collective knowledge you can kind of shift the culture in a different way or kind of even just change your everyday life and I try to shift the culture of organizing in in that way um and different levels so that's my initial thought but i can go i can be more explanatory about the concept of intersectionality if you'd like
0: i i think that's a good one so so when did you know that um this was your calling when did you know <laughs> that this was the road that
1: you wanted to go down ah that's, yeah, that's a big, that's a big question. <laughs> I'm still in the space of trying to figure out my calling um, in terms of what it looks like professionally, mm-hmm. because I think I, I, learned at a really really young age that I'm very outspoken so advocacy in in a in a sense in some sense is kind of built into my personality built into how I show up you know when I was really young my aunt people used to call me mouth because I always had something to say and I was like (laughs) okay I was like all right right or I was like constantly getting in trouble for being in grown folks business you know what I mean and it's just like because for me like you know the classic adult answer i would always say why why this why that and they'll be like because i said so and i'm like that's not going to work for me <laughs> like i need you to justify this and this is me at like five right and so to some extent of course like my personality made this work like fitting for me but how exactly i want to show up i'm not entirely sure yet i've worked i've worked for great nonprofits like Health Equity Solutions. I've worked for federal EPA. Um, I've worked for academic um, research-oriented institutes that are also doing environmental research and environmental justice work. Um, I've worked for state government. I'm still trying to figure out how exactly I want to show up. But what I do know is that I love talking to people. I love organizing events. I love raising awareness. I love connecting with people um, and the planet. Right. So so tell me about that. Tell me about the the this
0: this walk to environmental issues because it sounds like the skill sets you have are transferable. Yeah. So you could you could pick any, 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 any entity and do well, I think. But tell me about the environmental piece that mm. has engaged you
1: yeah mm. when I was really really young I have always been really into trees I the more I reflect on it the more I see it I've been climbing trees since I was a child <laughs> you know my parents are Jamaican immigrants that came over here so we would spend time in Jamaica in the summer as we go there for a couple of months and I it would just feel so great to just be surrounded. Um, any yardies listening, my mom from Westmoreland, and it's just baca bush, it's just the trees, like, that's it, you know what I mean, that's where the farmers (laughs) live, and so, you know, that felt so good, and when I go back, like, that feels so perfect, so part of me feels like there's something ancestral there, you know what I mean, where, like, they've been on this land, and I, you know, I get a connection, I get a thrill, I get serenity from hugging a tree that I know my grandmother hugged, like that kind of just feels different, it hits different, you know, Um, and, you know, so, and I love seeing how people, they want a mango, they go climb the tree, they want some ginnips, they go climb the tree, you know what I mean, like that type of connection to land is so beautiful to me, um, And as I've gotten older or, you know, growing up in America, I still had that in different ways. And then what I think what really sparked environmentalism for me was that when I moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut um, for high school, it was a sharp juxtaposition. Mm. So where I've been living in really super white and rural and like areas so I had all the woods, I had the hiking space, I had the berries to pick, you know what I mean? Um and then losing that and seeing that, you know, in (laughs) seeing that we don't have the same type of tree canopy, we do have an excess of air pollution and different forms of um waste incinerators, gas plants in our neighborhoods, not the other neighborhoods, not Trumbull, not Insonia, like but in Bridgeport, you know. Um, that kind of lit my soul on fire in a different way. Cause I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The world wasn't looking like this when I was around people who didn't look like me, but now that I am around people who do look like me, suddenly my environment is quite different. Suddenly my environment is no longer healthy. Suddenly I don't have access to basic things that sustain human life in a healthy way. Um, And really, I think it is the fact that I've I've lived both, I've experienced both. So in those predominantly white areas, I was constantly inundated with like interpersonal racism, but not systemic racism. You know what I mean? But then once I switched over to BASIC, it was less interpersonal racism and more systemic in the sense that my access to resources, um, opportunity, health and wellness features of a neighborhood diminished. uh, And that I can say a lot more and I'd love to talk more about Bridgeport and specifically Basic High School because that's where I graduated from um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you'd like pauses or if I should keep going. <laughs> no
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean listen I, I you know I was talking to someone that I just met yesterday who works in the envir- environmental field Cool. and I had said uh, he, he lives he lives in Vermont oh. so um, and he's gonna be doing some some work in florida um around clean water initiatives and stuff like that nice um so i had said i had asked him hey uh do you think we're good stewards of the earth Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and he said no we are we are absolutely not good stewards of the earth Mm -hmm. and so that always gets me thinking about what does that mean and 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 he said, you know, it's almost too late to to try to do anything different,
1: but ah, I disagree.
0: You know. I I kind of disagree too, but uh but it that's not my field of expertise, but I but I do come from a place of always thinking we could do anything and anything we love can be saved and yes. So, um mm-hmm. so I'm always in that space. So talk to me about what that looks like for you.
1: Yeah. um, What does it look like to be a good steward or or, of the earth? Yeah. So I agree that. So I understand your friend's sentiments because, you know, the phrase do or die. Yes. Kind of where we're at right now in the climate space. So it's really easy, though, for if you live in that space and that sentiment, it's really easy to feel like, well, there's nothing we can do. It is what it is, yada, yada, you know, but. I think like when you lose hope and lose faith like that, that's when the decline can get sharper because now no one wants to do anything. Everyone's jaded. Um, So I like to, again, I try to operate from the space of love and radical love. And for me that entails responsibility but it also fosters connection and community. Uh, And so I think that's the first step. Like you need to have a sense of connection to be a good steward of the land. I kind of, you know, I just described the fact that I do have a really strong connection to nature that, you know, someone who might've grown up in a city might not have because they might not have access to parks and lands and stuff like that. They might not even have trees in their backyard or on their street. Um, So it starts with the connection, but then that moves into responsibility. Like when you think of anyone you're deeply connected with, you wanna protect them, you wanna care for them, you wanna nourish them. You want people who are harming them to be held accountable. Right. And so right now we are those people. We need to be held accountable for the way that we're harming the environment. And that looks like being really intentional and being really, really um, intentional and aware but making the right decisions because we don't really have time to waste anymore and we don't have time to be like, oh, I don't know, we used to do that in the past and it was okay. It wasn't okay, hence why we have a problem now. And so a really specific example right now is I'm spending a lot of time advocating for Basic High School, which is my alma mater. That's where I graduated from um, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I'm advocating it for it because They currently, you know, Bridgeport's old. Listen, the old school is dingy. They need a new one. I'll be honest, it was messed up (laughs) when I was there. You know, Uh, it's like 100 years old now. And so they want to build a new one, but they considered rebuilding it where it currently stands. They considered rebuilding it a little bit down the street. But now they want to build it um, in the south end of Bridgeport next to right off the coast of Long Island Sound, right next to Seaside Park, um, and they demolished an old UB building to kind of put it there next to the field, kind of off of 115 Broad Street in Lafayette. The issue with that is that, A, it's in a FEMA-designated flood zone, so, yes, so, (laughs) like a FEMA-designated special hazard area flood zone, right? So, it, is particularly susceptible to flooding. That same area has a lot of CSO issues or combined sewer overflow issues. So you don't even need a Hurricane Sandy for sewage overflows to happen because that's how you know the infrastructure is not good. Um, and on top of that, it's next to two um, deep EJ designated affecting facilities. So as per, deep and the dph there are two major facilities that cause a lot of air pollution making that area in environmental justice community making that area a climate vulnerable community um and those are two gas plants so the PSEG um gas plant this is right where the you know where the coal plant just got shut down Mm -hmm. right there it's right there this is a 10 minute walk this is a visual you can see it you know what i mean um, and the coal plant just shut down last year, but the gas plant is ju- is like newer. So that's going to go for how So they want to build a high school there. Yeah exactly you heard the question mark at the end of your sentence (laughs) exactly exactly not only so that not only is there two gas plants right there there's also two hydrogen plants and people are like oh but hydrogen is less bad blah blah blah." it still runs on fossil fuels still bad for the environment still bad for people's health and yeah and an incinerator not too far away you know what i mean less walking distance but definitely all of these things are breathing distance and it's like why would you want to build a high school there? And on top of that, they didn't do the proper environmental impact assessments that a city is supposed to do and that a state is supposed to do. Um, so we don't even know how much this is going to impact Seaside Park, which is also right there. How much is going to impact the Long Island Sound? So I'm sure your friend who's riled up about water quality would be quite upset about this <laughs> because it is a problem and it could facilitate increased runoff into the sound and Stormwater pollution there is going to increase more pollution into the park um, and a a whole slew of other variables that we can't account for, again, because those assessments weren't done, and there's been no public comment. So the residents who are going to be affected who live in the area, the students, the teachers, the staff who'd work at BASIC, none of them have been able to weigh in on this and say, um, hey, maybe not. right? uh so for me it's like how do we how do i raise awareness i've been going hard on social media but also trying to you know get people to a public hearing that's today um at 6 30 p.m in bridgeport at city hall um but also you know gonna keep organizing after today because it's just a jump off it's not like the last opportunity um so So do
0: you feel like catherine that people are listening to this and 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 thinking that this might not be a good idea. Like, I, yeah, where, where are the, what are you hearing on the streets from people and parents and other stakeholders? I mean, teachers cannot
1: be happy about this either. Dude, a lot of them don't even know. So the residents of the area, because they see the construction site, um, mind you, this is not set in stone. They haven't broken ground. They demolished the building, but they are not, have not had the final approval to start building the school, which is also why I feel a sense of urgency. But teachers didn't know because I've been reaching out to teachers. I've been reaching out to uh, teachers' representatives and they're like, whoa, 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 this is the first time we're hearing this. The Board of Ed, this is the first time they're hearing of this. Students, this is the first time they're hearing of this. It's, It's insane. And that's a part of the environmental injustice issue. If you don't have a public hearing, if you don't tell anyone anything, they can't say anything until it's too late. You know what I mean? That's a classic tactic. Keep people out of the loop don't tell them what's going on, you know, and although it's been in the newspaper and what have you, when was the last time you read a newspaper, Babs? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I read one every day because I run one, but <laughs> okay. yeah, you read yours, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, that's not, that, that's not community engagement, you know? Um, If they really wanted communities, they would have had school assembly at BASIC talking about mm-hmm. this, you know what I mean? It would have been that simple. So there's a whole lot of environmental racism going on. And it's like, again, the main tactic is like, people are left in the dark until it's too late. And so for me, I'm like, whoa, 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 but it's not too late. So I'm trying to shine a light on this as much as possible. Um, And when people do hear about it, they're all appalled in the same way you were. They're kind of like, what? (laughs) Like they're trying to do what, where? Um, And those are my sentiments. Exactly. Wow. So are you, do you have a team of people? Is it just you? Is there a
0: crew? What's happening?
1: Yeah, (laughs) squad. Um, Yeah, because there's always other people. Myisa Tisdale, who runs the Freeman Center, um, Mm. the uh, Marion Eliza Freeman Center, she's been doing this largely by herself since February. So I hopped on then and now I'm like, okay, 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 let's get back to it. Um, And I have folks who are helping me in and out, but in terms of people who are like, Largely committed to it. It's mostly like me and Maiza, um, but we're getting other people on board for sure. That's a big part of the organizing that I'm doing right now. There are a lot of organizations, save the sound, they're highly on board. They're like, whoa, 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 let's not do this. Sierra Club is not into it, you know. Sunrise connected. They're not into it. There are a lot of people who are supporting the efforts, but that always varies because there's a million and one different things that are going on in the state. You know what I mean? Like I'm almost certain there's an, there's probably another Basikai situation happening right now that I don't that I don't know about. You know? Oh, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. So, so
0: what does the um what does the leadership of the city say? Like, what have you spoken to the mayor? Have you had the mayor's ear? Have you talked yet. to the legislative body and the what did, what did it have? The city, ca- uh, city council? City council? Yeah.
1: So I'm going to do some of that. Oh, I'm going to try to do a lot of that tonight. I have not engaged other certain folks yet. Oh, I, when I was trying to, you know, when I was working at state government, I was trying to engage folks there, but there was a lot of kind of like, oh, but you know, they're gonna raise the first floor. And I'm like, that's not enough. (laughs) Like, uh, and (laughs) that's a problem, right? And that's like people at DEEP are telling me this. And so I wanted to raise it to the governor, but I didn't get an opportunity to, still working on that. Um, Haven't reached out to the mayor yet. Um, But there are a large part of how this has been able to move forward so quickly in such a shady way. is because city council wants it to happen. It's because the representative um, of that section of Bridgeport, you know, the West End South End, they want it to happen. It's because the mayor wants it to happen. But does that mean it's good for constituents? Does that mean it's good for the planet? No. You might need an environmental lawyer
0: and make an injunction of some sort. Like, I, I I just feel like you have to stop these people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, a it's a problem. And it's, like, so preventable. I think that's what drives me crazy, is that this is so preventable. And at the end of the day, it's, like, why? Why are we doing this? Why would you ignore climate science when we know sea level is going to keep rising? So now you're making them at increased risk of coast coastal flooding at that. The Long Island out. That's a powerful body of water, you know what I mean? That's a very powerful body of water, Long Island Sound that's coastal flooding. We have just you need to protect the trees, you need to protect seaside park seaside park not only is it just a living entity, you know, like it's life affirming there the trees are a major species there, but so are all of the birds and the bees, and the deer, and the foxes that live there, that have that, that is their habitat, you know, um, you have to do things to protect the residents who live there, who already have been unprotected, they did not want those gas plants there, they certainly, obviously didn't want the coal plant there, it took a long time to get rid of that, and then they tried to fight off the hydrogen plants that were put there, actively fighting it off, still got put there against their will, you know what I mean, so it's just like, Those are classic cases of environmental racism that are also, of course, harming all of the life that's there, right? So we're not stewarding the land and we're not protecting our people. We're not protecting our constituents. And it's not okay. And it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to live like this. We don't have to die like this. We don't have to keep making these decisions. And in fact, we absolutely do not have time to keep making these decisions because everything matters so much now. And a school, that's a hundred year, that's a hundred year infrastructure. You know what I mean? In this climate, that's just not going to, sorry, that's not going to last a hundred years in this climate. You know what I mean? And on top of that, it's a $129 million investment that you and I are paying for as taxpayers in Connecticut. I don't want to invest my money there. I would never invest my money there. There are plenty of climate scientists are like, hey, when it comes to coastal lines, it's time to retreat you got to stop putting things there, you know, and maybe it's a lot harder to convince people who've lived somewhere their whole life, like, hey, maybe you should move, that is one, that's a different battle, that's a long, that's hard, but it's really a simple to not put brand new infrastructure there, Yeah, when that will make an issue worse, you know, mm. and the basic students deserve better, the teachers deserve better, the staff deserve better, it's just not a good idea, plain and simple. It's just not a good idea. It's an objectively bad idea, um, and so I'm going to do what I can. I was a 2016 salutatorian versus the worst second is the best, and so for me, I'm <laughs> like, this also, you know, it's personal. So, <laughs>
0: I mean, I, listen, it sounds like I mean, it sounds like you are, you've hit the ground running, um, and that you are operating from a place of urgency. Yeah. Um, And it's it doesn't sound like they they've made hardcore decisions yet, but I dare say they probably were trying to just move this through without anybody noticing, you know, Um, that is a, I find that to be a a challenging, a challenging relationship between a municipality and its citizens, that they would not engage them in these kinds of matters.
1: It's not okay. On top of that, there was supposed to be this project called Resilient Bridgeport that was designed after Hurricane Sandy um, as part of the Rebuild by Design national competition for the coastal states like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut. Um, And it was supposed to protect that neighborhood specifically from coastal flooding because when the hurricanes hit, when the storms hit, it's really bad mind you i want to say this really clearly hurricane sandy like connecticut got lucky with respect to the damage with hurricane sandy like if 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 hurricane if the hurricane moved over to connecticut about 4 hours earlier it would have hit new jersey it would have hit connecticut the way it hit new jersey the major yeah. difference was that we didn't get rainfall so we were getting the coastal, you know, the hurricane in that way, but we weren't simultaneously getting rainfall. It would have been significantly more devastating if we had both forms of impact at the same time, and that is that is likely to happen in the future. You know what well, I mean? Well,
0: we're seeing all these devastating um, environmental challenges. That yeah. People haven't seen it a hundred years and now they're starting to look like they're coming every other year. Like this is only should happen 100 years. Yeah. And we're like, oh, but we're seeing it again this year, we're seeing it again mm-hmm. next
1: year. And it's just gonna keep getting worse, right? And to finish the prior thought, resilient bridgeport didn't happen. So some of the early rhetoric was like, oh, Basic is gonna be protected by resilient bridgeport, but resilient bridgeport didn't happen, which is an issue in of itself. And so it's like, oh, at least put Brazilian Bridgeport in first. And then they're like, mm, let's just put the school in and figure it out. And it's like, what is wrong with what's happening? <laughs> like, why <laughs> would we do this? Um, so, you know. So, yeah, Bab. so that's what's going on. That's at the forefront of my mind right now. Um, but on top of that, again, like with this comes the broader task of shifting our culture in general and the decision making that's going on because we can't keep having situations like this. There are only so many me's that are gonna catch these just in time and try my best, you know what I mean? Um, But our policymakers have to shift their mindset. Our bureaucrats have to shift their mindset. Um, Our construction folks uh, at every level, state, local, et cetera. Everyone has to be a lot more proactive and life-minded, you know? It's a matter mm-hmm. of choosing life, you know? In my opinion, <laughs> it's a matter of choosing life. Yeah. I don't know, I say that I
0: broadly, but, but I mean, I'd but that's being real. First of all, to put a school on a coastline that is already under siege is number one. To put mm-hmm. a school between two um, environmentally challenging, uh, a coal factory and a, whatever else is over there- two
1: gas plants, the coal factory and, and,
0: got closed. And the and the gas plant, but but I'm sure there's some residual whatever. Exactly. Yeah, they're still remediating remediating the land. Yeah. Yeah. See, and uh, I, I, you know, I hear about remediation all the time, but I'm not so sure I trust it 100. Like I just Mm -hmm. feel like that's been going on for so long. Yeah, you could take the topsoil off, but Mm -hmm. seriously, but how far down is too far down? Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, what is the, what is the implications of that? And and and. Do we wait until we start to see abnormal birth defects and, and, and health
1: challenges of people that we, we wouldn't already, see? We already see them. That's part of how advocates were able to get the coal plant because the, <clears throat> the infant birth death rates were so high in that area. Specifically, the area that was inundated with the air pollution from the coal plant babies were dying people have such chronic asthma the rates of um asthma and asthma hospitalization throughout connecticut are much higher for black and hispanic youth compared to white youth and why is that it's because 71 percent of black and hispanic youth live in um you know our major cities Bridgeport, stanford hartford new haven waterbury um and those are the areas where all these coal plants, all these gas plants tend to be located. None of that's a coincidence. We know the science, you know, connecting air pollution with asthma rates, with lung cancer, with heart disease. We know um, we know the science makes it clear that increased exposure to air pollution equals bad health. Mm. Why would you put high school there? You know, you're doing that to the kids, but you're also doing that to the dedicated teachers that are going to work there for decades. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not good. And we're having a, a national teacher shortage. You want teachers to work at your school? Put it in a good, healthy spot. How about that? Yeah, that's a good idea. So
0: what can people do? How can people support you? How can people get behind this? How can people help raise
1: awareness? Yeah. So I would say start by following Seaside sounds club on Instagram. I have a list. So (laughs) Seaside sounds S O N D S club. Um, on Instagram, because I keep pumping out information on there. But today at 6.30 p.m., there's a city council hearing. And even if you can't testify, please come stand in solidarity and get connected with other folks. Um, City Council, our city hall in Bridgeport is at 45 Lion Terrace. Again, public comment starts at 6.30. And then, you know, we'll likely be organizing for the next city council meeting, which will be on December 5th um if you want to just hang out and learn more beforehand um you can meet at bridgeport creates today from 2 p.m to 6 p.m i'll be there kind of just like vibing telling people chit chatting, but preparing for the hearing as well um and yeah stay tuned but i think the easiest way to stay active would be follow seaside sounds club because then you'll get i just did i just did yay yeah so i can send it around (laughs) yeah that'd be great because then folks can you know get all this information in writing and get it up to date consistently.
0: Mm. So uh, as you are working on this, I I, I think that I hear you say you you might consider furthering your education. Is that a, is that still on the table?
1: Yeah. I don't know when I will become Dr. Kat eventually, but um, (laughs) Dr. Kat Morris, I really do. I'm a nerd. I really am. Um, I just love learning. I love being a student of life. And um, I really so my undergraduate background, you know, I have my master's in public policy, but before that I have a, um, my, my, my degrees are in cognitive science and anthropology. So I love studying people. I love studying culture, but I also love studying behavioral science and how brains work, um, how intelligent beings think, know, perceive, and act. And I specify intelligent beings because while anthropology is centered around humans, cognitive science is about humans, animals, and artificial intelligence. Like, it's just so interesting to me. Um, So I do have that life and people and um, animal-centered academic background and kind of spiritual background. And then I'm trying to morph that professionally in various ways. Um, So I will get my PhD eventually. I haven't decided when. I'm in a transitional phase right now. Like I'm I think you need high. a law
0: degree, girl, in, in environmental law. Yeah. So <laughs> I you- don't
1: know. <laughs> Maybe I, people have said that. I've heard that before. Or um, deal with uh, uh, artificial intelli-
0: intelli- artificial yeah. artificial intelligent ethics you need to
1: be able to fight that, that too <laughs> you know ai is inevitable i feel like i'm just like i'm gonna oh. be your buddy, like get get be on my side like i'm on your side like <laughs> 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 We're really cool. you know um yeah there are just so many ways to show up in the world i'm trying to figure it out because at the end of the day i'm a creative and i love connecting so it's just like how i do that I speak on podcasts and panels all the time. I could start a podcast. Would you listen to my podcast if I started? I absolutely
0: would. Oh, okay. That's a good I one. absolutely would.
1: People keep telling me to start one, but I don't know. Um, I'm also about to hop on to moderate a panel on free bus fare because people want to continue it. And right now- I think
0: they, what, going for another
1: six months, five months? months. Yeah, five five months. Like but it's like, let's make it permanent. Like, let's just do it. You know, it's really good for- The more we increase- Public transit, the better we're doing for the planet, but also the economy, you know, people, since everyone cares about the economy, I'm not a capitalist, but when people want to think about things in fiscal terms, if more people have access to public transportation, they can get to more jobs. So that's just better. And you can also get to more places to spend your money. So it's just like, I think the future in a brighter future in Connecticut entails a lot more public transportation and free fare. I think is just a great route to get there. Um, so anyway, I'm moderating a panel. I guess I have to be neutral, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, I so appreciate your time this morning. You
1: must come yeah. back. I want to know you. what
0: happens after the fact. I want. I want to know what happens after. I'll, I'll
1: after keep you posted Keep me posted. I will. um Okay. Yeah. Policy side sounds club save basic high let's do it i got you <laughs> and,
0: and and i'm gonna try to pop by bloom on monday to see you do your yes, thing. yes
1: yes yes monday the 28th 5 to 9 p.m this is open to the community um bloom you already know bloom is dressed gorgeous it's yes, just gorgeous it you know we're gonna have that bonfire pop in so, <laughs> so my friend she's a farmer and the chef um she's vegan she's haitian um, she's gorgeous and it's going to be a great time so we're going to okay. have delicious food um, all and right. be I'm, I'm coming I'm coming Yay! Yeah. all, all right. right well thank you Miss Morris this was lovely good luck
0: tonight thank you and uh, keep me posted will do Bye. all right bye-bye thank you all right Harry Jones it is time for us to leave I'm sorry Zibby Owens wasn't with us this morning but I'm in communication with the peoples, and they'll get back to me with another date for her. Um, but tomorrow I have uh, Camila Forbes, who was part of that sportsman conversation. Uh, she is exec over at uh, Apollo Theater, so that'd be the conversation tomorrow, 10:15. So y'all be good out there in these streets, and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Ooh. Ooh.